The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Thank you for joining me today as we talk about walking with God during what is known as the end times or the last days. Walking with God in the end times. As you know, this podcast is devoted to helping Christians from all denominations foster a genuine, life-changing walk with God, which simply is living with a daily consciousness that I, you, we, are holding the hand of God through every circumstance. And that goal doesn't change whether we are dealing with end-time events or any other event, we still endeavor to walk with God. We've just gone through almost two years of struggling with the pandemic, and now we are uh, observing, and some people, perhaps even hearing this podcast, are involved or facing a European war, and uh, some have expressed concerns about a potential nuclear conflict And these sort of concerns are prevalent. Uh, People are concerned about their lives, their health, economic uncertainty, their families in crisis, and there are a host of existential uh, concerns that are at the forefront. People are asking, because of these types of circumstances and the struggle that we've just gone through, what is my purpose on earth? And where is God in the mix. Perhaps you've heard of the Day of the Lord or the Day of Jehovah, if you are familiar with the scriptures, but it is the time frame within which the Lord Jesus begins to orchestrate events which will usher in his second coming and the establishment of his kingdom, the millennial kingdom on earth. This time frame is known as the Day of Jehovah. Several of the key writers of the New Testament deals with the transitional events within this time frame. And, of course, the, the, uh, the uh, pinnacle, or if you will, the, the, the focus is primarily on the final seven years, which is known as the Great Tribu- well, the Tribulation Period. And the last three and a half of those seven years is considered to be the Great Tribulation. Uh, but these are the last seven years of Gentile rule, Gentile dominion on the earth before the ushering in of the uh, Millennial Kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, there are differences of opinion about certain aspects of the Day of Jehovah. Nonetheless, our focus, our conversation, is really about walking with God before, during, 
uh, these final years before the millennial reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our focus has not changed. We want people, we want Christians to walk with God beside still waters. <clears throat> so this initial podcast is really uh, at a 36,000 foot level, so to speak. And we're looking at, at three particular writers or commentators on the, this several aspects of, of this day of Jehovah. And that is Peter, of course, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, and the Lord Jesus himself. So we'll start with Peter. Uh, in his second letter, he's again writing to, to uh, Asia's scattered Christians and addressing some problems uh, occurring in the churches, particularly about false teachers in the churches who evidently had a licentious lifestyle. And uh, in addressing this topic, Peter is compelled to give, uh, I won't say a detailed discussion, but he certainly focuses on the end of the physical universe. The end of the physical universe. And those who mark the truths concerning the return of the Lord Jesus, uh, I should say, those who become mockers of the truth concerning the return of the Lord Jesus will be silenced in a due time in the future. Uh, and it appeared that this uh, event seemed to be long in coming. But Peter reminds us and says this, But the day of Jehovah will come as a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a rushing noise and the elements with a burning heat, and they shall be dissolved. And so these Christians that he wrote to uh, needed to be careful not to allow their lifestyle uh, to be affected by false teachers. Uh, but they were encouraged to keep watching, keep waiting, because the return of our Lord Jesus was on its way. Paul, on the other hand, was comforting the uh, church in Thessalonica as they thought that the day of Jehovah was now present, that they were in that time frame. And apparently some members of, of that local church inferred that since the coming of the Lord Jesus was imminent or they were in it, there was no point in continuing with the, you know, the ordinary matters of life, you know, working and so forth. And Paul, in this uh, second letter uh, to this church, went on to explain that there are certain events that must take place before Jesus returned. In particular, there will be a worldwide rebellion against God and faith, and it will be led by a man, one who will be the incarnation of lawlessness and anarchy himself. But currently, this rebellion is being held in check by a power he did not name, but it is understood to be the very presence of the Spirit of God on the earth in the church, the, the body of believers. But, my friends, guess what? We are beginning to see that on a global scale, there tends to be a movement towards rebelling against the very notion of God and faith. The Lord Jesus 
the third of the three who provided specific commentary on this day of the Lord, uh, was responding to the disciples adoring the temple. And we'll find it in Matthew 24, of course. And the Lord Jesus gives a discourse on some of the key events that precedes the tribulation period, and in particular, the final three and a half years of global uh, uh, Gentile global dominion. And most importantly, not only the tribulation is being addressed in the Lord Jesus' response, but his second coming, the great and glorious appearing from heaven. And we're going to, we're going to address some of these uh, topics in our succeeding podcast. But for today, I just want the focus to be at a very high level and really encourage believers who are walking with God to foster that intimate time with God because that will be critical not only for that future, those future events, but certainly now as we are moving in that direction. And we're going to take a closer look at these events with a view to, to helping us walk with God faithfully during tumultuous times, which we are currently in. So I want to ask you this question. Can, can, an, can an ordinary person have a genuine walk with God in the midst of societal upheaval, global conflicts, or in the face of uncertainty and loss of life, such as was experienced during this pandemic? Is God actively involved in these events in such a manner that he can be trusted to guide our footsteps, to impart to us uh, a greater measure of peace? Does he still give awareness of his presence? And so as we really think about uh, addressing end-time events, we have to come to grips with one important attribute overriding all events throughout time. That attribute is divine sovereignty. Divine sovereignty. In Daniel chapter 4, the 34th and 35th verse, this is uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And he says, At the end of days, Nebuchadnezzar lifted up, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto the heavens. And my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And here's the key. He does according to his will in the army of the heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. Or say unto him, what are you doing? The Christian must unequivocally and with finality lay or, or, or rest their complete confidence in the fact that God and God alone is at work in every event, whether to orchestrate it or to allow it to run its course so as to bring to pass his perfect will. What is difficult for us to comprehend is this perfect will may involve lo loss of life. 
Although tragic from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it's vastly different. And that is the, the loss of life, tragedy, difficulty. Our responsibility is to always, and that is, I'm referring to the Christian, the devotee, the disciple of our Lord Jesus. Our responsibility is to be always ready for our departure. And in the interim between now and that event, to occupy ourselves with walking with God. But the absolute worst case scenario for the devotee is... Absent from the body, they will be present with the Lord. And so Nebuchadnezzar highlighted this key understanding as he said that God, that Jehovah, does according to his will in the heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. And so the events that we are experiencing, God has put or allowed them to be in motion and the question we ask ourselves is why? Part of our problem and frustration, not only for us, but for many who are men and women of faith, is that we find ourselves, and of course, not only those of faith, but all men in these circumstances find ourselves helpless to alter the course of events. And this particular king, he lived in splendor. He had power. He had great authority. But he lived his life without consideration for the claims of God upon his soul. And he had the, the, the privilege of being forewarned in a dream that he needed to humble himself and set things right in his life in relation to his relationship with God. And live in right relationship with God as he was exhorted to do by uh, the prophet Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar's failure to repair his lifestyle cost him seven years of rule and he was banished among the beasts until he recognized that God is sovereign. Our current events, a pandemic and now a European war and whatever other uh, 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 life challenges are occurring at this very moment somewhere on the earth. Perhaps potential nuclear conflict. Some have even expressed concerns about that. Economic uncertainty. All of these type of events causes us to wonder whether or not we are in the last days, the final days of earth's existence. And that's what we're going to take a little look at from the perspective of Peter, Paul, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're looking at the end of day's events. And again, these are arbitrary uh, extractions. But future podcasts, we will be a little more focused. Now, Peter, he addressed the physical destruction of the universe. We read a lot. You could surf the web and just, just put in the search field global warming. And you're going to get tens of thousands of hits. And there's so much information out there about global warming, its effects on our ecosystems, and so forth. And I know it seems far-fetched to say this, but the Spirit of God gives us a different view of what can potentially destroy the physical universe. 
Peter addresses naysayers who say, for example, well, where is the promise of his coming that is the Lord Jesus? And they make statements like, from the time of the fathers, from the time the fathers fell asleep, all things remain as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, there's been no change. They talk about Jesus is coming again. That's nonsense. And so these naysayers mocked the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter is now addressing the questions, the assertions which challenge the truthfulness of Scripture. Here's the first great truth concerning the uh, dissolution of the universe. Is it by global warming or the hand of God? Which one is it? Well, in, in, in Peter's second letter, uh, the third chapter of fourth to about the tenth verse, he says this, But the present heavens and the earth by his word are laid up in store, kept for fire unto the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But let not this one thing be hidden from you, beloved, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some think of delay, but his long suffering towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he says, But the day of Jehovah will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a rushing noise, and the elements, burning with heat, shall be dissolved, and the earth and the works in it shall be burnt up. So, in the broad spectrum, this earth and the universe will never be destroyed by men's hands, whether it be global warming, nuclear war, or anything in between those outcomes. Men have no capacity to destroy what they did not create. That outcome resides only in the hands of God, and to suggest otherwise is to assert, now hear this, either God is a liar, or God is not sovereign, or both. One of the events among several that will comprise the day of Jehovah is the destruction of the old heaven and earth and the creation of a new heaven and earth. And if you were to read on the narrative, verse 7 states clearly that the physical universe, and I underline this in our hearing and in my thinking, is reserved for fire of destruction in the day of judgment. There's a specific time frame, uh, a pinpoint event when it's going to happen and not a moment before. And we find that event, uh, we find Peter referring to that event um, here in his letter, but we also have a cross-reference in uh, the uh, John's writing in the revelation that was given to him, chapter 20, the 11th and 12th verse. And listen to what John says, because the scripture, the Spirit of God, is giving us the pinpoint uh, a moment of time when the dissolution of the physical universe will occur, and not before. And he says, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face, here it is, the earth and the heaven fled, and no place was found for them. Can't find it anymore. Why? Dissolved in great heat, as Peter says. 
And John continues, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is that book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the book according to their works. So the heaven and the earth will be dissolved at that time when the Lord Jesus Christ sits on his great white throne judgment to address and judge the lives of people who made the decision to reject not only him, but made no time, no space, no involvement, no experience of his regenerating grace in their lives. At that point, they are called to stand before him, and there's not going to be any hiding place in heaven or on earth. Why? Because the heavens and the earth have been dissolved. That is the moment of time when the physical creation as we know it today, right now, will be destroyed, making room for a new heaven and a new earth. So, here is the first great point of today's podcast, and that is this. Let your confidence, your faith, your trust rest securely in a God who gives you the future events with clarity and accuracy, knowing that if he says it will come to pass by his hand, then it will come to pass by his hand, and he and he alone can be trusted with the good of your eternal soul and to bring that soul into his presence for all eternity. He can be trusted because he is sovereign. He has the power to make it happen. My dear friend, I urge you, as we go on in this podcast, even now as you hear my voice, commit yourself to meeting with God in the place of quiet. Let this event be the primary daily objective of your life and allow God to take full control of the events that he promises and declares in the scriptures that he is in control of, both in heaven and on the earth and their destruction or preservation or recreation are all future events that he and he alone, not any man, no matter how intelligent that man might be, they cannot affect it. They cannot change his time. They cannot change his purposes. They cannot influence his outcome. God alone is sovereign. But there's good news, because I love good news. I always loved good news. And, and uh, Peter uh, certainly was attempting to comfort the hearts of these believers in the 11th to 14th verse, because he wrote of waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, by reason of which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements burning with heat shall melt. But according to his promise, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. He says we wait for it. Why are we waiting? Because God will bring it to pass in his time and no one else's. And so the ultimate objective in the destruction of the current universe is to create a new heaven 
and a new earth. And this outcome rests in the hands of the living God himself. Men have no control, they have no influence, they have no ability to thwart his plan. He will dissolve the old heaven and the new earth with a view to making a new heaven and the new earth. And those who have walked with him have devoted themselves to living a life in righteousness and holiness where he is the central figure are the very ones that will occupy this new heaven and new earth. And again, there's, there's far more to the, uh, to the promises because we also have the nation of Israel having a prominent place, but we won't go into that at this moment. That might be dealt with in a future podcast. For now, we are at 36,000 feet looking down at these uh, really important truths. And I want to re reiterate to you that if he is unable to do, listen to me, if he is unable to do what he has promised, then God is not sovereign and man alone is sovereign. But we know that God is sovereign. So the macro view, here's a macro view. A pandemic, although it's life impacting, is simply a warning a reminder of the brevity of life. Every day that we receive from God is a day of grace, an opportunity to resume again afresh our relationship with the living God himself. And I'm speaking to those who are devotees of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day is a, is a new opportunity. And so does this pandemic or even a European war these events become yet just simple events that awakens us to life's brevity. And they compel us to reprioritize the key events in our lives and people. And it compels us to reset our purpose to live for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We all are going to die at some point. But where we reside for eternity is of utmost importance. Hence, for the Christian, our objective ought to be establishing a genuine, life-changing walk with God day by day. Now let's come back to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's assertion, the sovereignty of God. This attribute, my friend, is the, the driving force behind all events in heaven and earth. And it begs the question, who or what is in control? Is God sovereign? And if the answer to that is yes, then God has allowed the pandemic to serve purposes that only he alone can see from the vantage point of eternity. But if the answer is no, then this pandemic or any event, even a European war, is but a chance event. And chance has usurped the sovereignty of God. And if chance has usurped the sovereignty of God, then God, therefore, is no longer sovereign, and we are living in a chaotic, uncontrollable universe. That said, the Lord Jesus, or the prophets before him, or the disciples after his ascension, all assert to the sovereignty of God in the affairs of men, the affairs of heaven. And if God 
is sovereign, then my friend, I subscribe to you that these events are allowed of him. And if they are allowed of him, he has a plan and can be trusted. But if these events are outside of his control, then God is not sovereign and therefore cannot be trusted to use or cause all things to work together for our good, which we are promised in uh, Paul's letter to the Roman Christians in, in, in the eighth chapter. And if God is not sovereign, well, we have a problem. We ought in this circumstance <laughs> to be fearful because chance is sovereign. And we've assigned to chance complete control, dominion of the universe, and have concluded that God is impotent. Now, let's go to Paul's writings. Paul focused on a different phenomenon, which is a worldwide rebellion against God and faith, led by someone, a man, who will be the incarnation of lawlessness and anarchy. And these events, this, this worldwide rebellion, uh, and, 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 and the, the, the um, uh, presentation on the world stage of this man, the, called the, the lawless one, the Antichrist, the man of sin, there are very, you know, variety of terms that are used for him, but these events are being held in check by a power which he did not mention by name, but is uh, universally uh, uh, accepted as the Spirit of God himself. And so it's difficult to envision a global rebellion against walking with God. I mean, we experience this uniquely in local ways, uh, perhaps within a family, that was my experience in, my, in the earlier years of my conversion, and sometimes on the job or uh, happenstance circumstances as we go about our daily affairs. But it's difficult to envision uh, the challenge of walking with God in holiness when all the earth has turned away from the very notion of a living God and live life based on their own terms. And Paul is stating that this phenomenon will be clearly indicative that we are in the final days before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, we find certain countries that are uh, anti the very notion of God or faith, but it is not the officially endorsed position of many of these governments, but it is practiced. But during the time that Paul is referring to, this will be the globally endorsed position as Earth's official stand. The concept of God is officially, legally, and publicly rejected. Hence, he calls it the great falling away. The term in the original language is translated apostasy. So I have a question for you, my friend. What is your time alone with God like? Do you find communion with God refreshing or is it more of a chore? Is, for example, the exercise of presenting your petitions and interceding on behalf of others a needful time? Or do you not or do you find that there's not a lot of relish in it? Or, on the other side, is engaging in a time of worship privately, both in song 
and audible worship to God. Is that a pleasant experience? Is there joy in service and uh, in, in presenting one's activities as an opportunity for worshipful living? You know, these are questions I want you to ask about your time that you've been nurturing with God. And, and, and Paul, in writing to the Thessalonican church, says, and in, I'm sorry, to the church at Colossae in the third chapter, the 17th verse says, and everything, this is what he says to them, everything, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Paul is, is bringing before us the evidence of worshipful living, not just Sunday worship or living, but the opportunity of taking everyday events of life, whether in the home, uh, in preparing meals, or taking care of a family, or, or if you're a laborer, if you're out in the field, or if you're in, in working in a corporation for a desk, running a business, all events can be used as an opportunity for a worshipful life of service in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can relegate everyday events as part and parcel of walking with God and not just on a Sunday. And Paul is advocating in this 17th verse a daily living, a, a, a daily taking advantage of ordinary circumstances and doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Is it done in the spirit and, 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 and energy to please the Lord Jesus Christ? That is what he's advocating. That's how we can have an impactful walk with God. And in a coming day, a future day, as for end time events, walking with God will cost the devotee their life. There is great persecution that is coming in society. And, and, and in John's writings in, in Revelation, we, we will get to that eventually. But there's great persecution coming because of the great apostasy that will have occurred. And people will move away from any notion of God or faith or any deity. And this will evidence itself in, in the taking, the martyrdom of many of faith many a disciple to an extent that we've never or could ever imagine what it would be like. But now, today is the time that we need to take advantage of practicing being in God's presence with all that we do and all that we say, striving to think in a manner that brings glory to God and live in the same way. There's a future date, a future time coming when it will be difficult for us to practice living this way, this moment-by-moment mo moment walking with God. And so as we think about the last days, there are challenges that are coming, and we prepare ourselves for those future times by practicing a walk with God. And again, we will address in a future podcast the events on earth during the last seven years before our Lord Jesus returns to establish his millennial reign. But for the moment, and in view of that glorious reign, my dear friends, I urge you to strive to be an example of light in a dark place, to be agents of change, salt in places of decay, demonstrating by our lives that it is a glorious and satisfying way to live 
as we walk with God. And so, again, is this pandemic or this European war uh, a part of, uh, for example, the Matthew 24 scenario? The Lord Jesus begins to deal with this. Does it have any connection with last day events? And someone had asked me that not too long ago. Does this, this, this pandemic and, and, and this European war within, with Russia and the Ukraine, does it have any significance to the last days? My personal answer is yes and no. <laughs> the yes part is when people reject walking with God and choose to govern their lives according to their own standards, the end result will always be that it ends in death. Now, what do I mean? Well, it's going to be the death of something. The death of your happiness, the death of relationships, physical death, depending on, on, on one's lifestyle habits, eternal death uh, in terms of rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But something of significance will always be brought to an end or be diminished. And we are told in Paul's writings, for example, that the flesh, the natural human nature, is at war with God. And the path driven by the flesh always leads to destruction, always. And so our Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 is, is beginning to show us the end result of mankind, culture as we know it today. And the entire earth in those final seven years of Gentile global dominion, all, for the most part, chose the path of self-determination. And this is important, self-determination without God. And what we have in its place, war, pestilence, death, destruction. And the consequences of those choices are also allowed by the hand of God. God is sovereign. We, we addressed this earlier. Disease, nature's cataclysmic eruptions, loss of life on a massive scale. Add to that the breakdown of human institutions and familial connections. I mean, it's just the unraveling of society as we know it. And as for a pandemic, well, this is perhaps the first time this pandemic that we've just gone through and still seeing the effects of it is perhaps in my lifetime, one of the first times that many people have been brought face to face with their mortality and the then what question. They've never had to be compelled to think about eternal destiny or the hereafter until this moment in time. And in a word, they were self-sufficient. We were self-sufficient. Now we are face-to-face -face with our insufficiency and potential peril. And we ask ourselves, what do I do now? How do I fix this? And so we find mortality versus eternity is at the forefront of everyone's thinking. And so as we are coming to the end of this podcast, here's the no part. After Jesus gave his disciples a series of events such as wars and rumors of wars and, and famines and pestilences and so forth, and all that precedes the unveiling of the Antichrist, then everything that follows in this dialogue that he was having with them, all the events that follows the, the pestilences and famines and wars and rumors of wars are strictly events tied to the final seven years of Gentile global dominion. The global persecution of all the people of God and their eventual martyrdom. 
the complete dissolution of societal norms, whether within the family or external to the family, the resurgence of false prophets misleading the masses, and a complete breakdown of societal cohesion. And the Lord Jesus says, lawlessness will prevail. But there are other things as well. Because during this time will be the final global proclamation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ concerning his death, burial, and resurrection. And in specific, the soon appearing of his kingdom, which from the point at which he was referring to is just about 36 months. So Jesus went on to give the key event that puts us exactly three years before he ushers in his millennial reign. And that is this. The Antichrist, the man of sin, as he is called, is going to go into what will be at that time the Jewish temple. And he will proclaim himself in that most holy place, in the Holy of Holies. He will proclaim himself to be God, although he's just a man. And the Lord Jesus refers to this, and so does Daniel in his writings, that this is the abomination that makes desolate. This event will signal the mad dash to the end and the close of Gentile dominion on the earth and the beginning or the ushering in to the millennial reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, my friends, where does that leave us? Irrespective of the events of our current time, pandemic and other diseases, wars, and at the forefront, the Russian-Ukraine war, or some other life-impacting event, we are still challenged every day with walking with God. This is why we're here at Beside Still Waters, to urge, to compel, to appeal to the people of God, the children of God, the devotee, to nurture a walk with the living God himself, time in his word, allowing the Spirit of God to use and work in us, transforming us day by day. We are still compelled to foster this relationship that aligns with the Word of God itself. And trusting God to use our lives to be a light, a witness of the fruit and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This will never change. Whether we are at the beginning of uh, the Gentile rule or the end of the Gentile rule, or whether we, we, some will argue we're never going to go through the tribulation, others will say we will, uh, we will address those issues at a later podcast, but it makes no difference. We are still compelled to, to walk with God. And my friend, since the challenge is still the same, I take this moment to, to urge you, even though we're thinking about future events, the best way, the sure way, to always be ready is to take time each day to walk with God beside still waters. 
Thank you for joining Besides Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Besides Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.